Well, you know, there's some messages that you listen to, some preachers that you um, open yourself up to, and they bring these like wow words. You know, the ones that like you just sit there and you go, wow. So I want to kind of do full disclosure today. This is going to be more ow <laughs> than wow. So just so you're ready for that, I'm, I'm preparing you all that this one may be something that be a little uncomfortable, a little challenging, a little bit less of the wow, but we all need the owl sometimes. We all need to eat the greens, okay? So it's not always all the candy. Sometimes you need the greens. So I'm in charge today of the greens. I'm in charge of talking about some of the things that we sometimes want to avoid. And you know, there is a title for the message today, and it's your breakthrough needs walkthrough. And we like to talk about breakthrough. We like that kind of message of, of, of believing for something and being in faith for something and moving towards something and praying together for something and opening up the, the front of the altar and calling people forward and laying hands on them and seeing miracles happen and, and having the suddenlies and the instants and the turnaround moments. Those are the things that we, we go for, right? Those are things we want to listen to. Those are the testimonies we want to hear. And so today, I really want to focus on the fact that breakthrough is always and has always been in my experience not the end of something it's not been the end destination the focus it's always been the beginning because you because breakthrough without walkthrough is incomplete yes god does do the instant miracles yes i've seen time and time again uh, you know things like addictions leave a person's life and the and the desire for that substance to to go in a miracle instant but there's always been walkthrough of figuring out the why or behind the what of that person's addiction in the first place. It's just, it doesn't just go instantly. There are, there are, I'm kind of here to tell you that there isn't a magic wand. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news because we often want to, to, to skip the walkthrough, the process. There's the word we're going to talk about, process. You know, that's the... That's the kind of thing we want to skip. You know, the, I, I want to skip the travel I have to do to get here. I start my journey in Leeds, Yorkshire, and I think to myself, I want to skip this bit. I want to get to my destination. I do the same with cooking, to be honest. I want the meal. I love food. I just do not like the process of making it. And we are more and more conditioned now to want things instantly. We don't like the waiting. We don't like the process. We're told and conditioned that we can expect things as quickly as humanly possible. I got crossed the other day at Amazon for promising me on the same day delivery at 10 p.m. And it didn't come. And it came at 9 a.m. the next day. And I was about to write an email to say, you said first. I'm like, wait a second. It came within 12 hours. <laughs> Why am I upset about having to wait a little longer? You see, we are conditioned. We are constantly being told that there are shortcuts, there are quick ways, there are formulas you can adopt that's going to get what you want quicker than you think you want to give it. So I'm here to really talk about the fact that God values process. He is a God of process. And I know this because I just look, even at the very beginning of time, the very beginning of creation, the moment that God decided he was gonna make everything that we know happen. And he could have, I believe, done it in one 
second, split second. He could have done it with a word. He could have done it with a thought. He could have done it with just a breath. All of creation in its perfection and completeness, in its intimate detail, could have been done in an instant. Because I believe God has the power to do that. And yet he chose, for some reason, to submit himself in all of his power to something called process. He modeled step by step, layer by layer, bit by bit, season of time by season of time, day by day. We don't know. It says in the scriptures it was a day. We don't know whether that's an actual day or whether it's a season of time. But what he models is little by little, layer by layer, he models process. I think there's sometimes a mismatch between our expectation of what we want God to do and what he's actually inviting us into. He is a God of the step by step, layer by layer. Process is powerful and process has a purpose. It really does. I think it builds something on the inside of us that will outlast a single momentary encounter. God is about the depth. He builds something on the inside. And I have a story in the Bible that I want to go to, that I want to share from, because I believe that this man's journey and his experience is something that we can really learn from and apply to our everyday lives. And it's found in 2 Kings 5, verse 1. And it's a story of a man called Naaman. And in verse 1, it tells us that Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Let me just stop there. We're going to go off on a side for just a moment. Here we have a successful man. He is a commander in the army. The Lord has used him mightily and given him victories, but he has a but. We all have buts. Y'all sitting on yours right now. (laughs) I don't know if that's rude over here, but I'm just going to do the English thing. I'm English. I don't know any better. We all have buts. We all have stuff. We all have issues. We all have... These are all the great things, but. These are all the things we can celebrate, but. And I just want to say this, just as a side thing. We often use our buts to disqualify ourselves from God using us. So we say, when I get to this stage, when I deal with that, when I, when I, when I've served long enough, when I've, whatever, we use our buts, our stuff, our issues to disqualify ourselves and opt out of maybe some of the things that God wants us to do. And I'm here to just quickly go on a little side tangent to say God's a lot less fussy about who he'll use than we are. You just have to look in the Bible. It's literally, you know, Moses had some serious anger issues and yet God used him. That was his butt. We've got David who has lust issues. We've got Saul, desperately insecure. We have Rahab who was a prostitute. Thomas was a doubter. Peter cut someone's ear off, literally. And the one that always makes me feel better is the fact that God opened the mouth of a donkey to speak words, which literally, it gives me comfort on a daily basis that if God can use a donkey to say words, that I'm going to be all right. God's a lot less fussy. However, I'll say however instead of but. 
However, there does come a point in our journey with the Lord where our but, our issue, whatever it is that is troubling us, whatever that fault line might be for us, if we don't choose to deal with it, it will begin to harm us. It will begin to hold us back. It will begin to move us towards death in certain areas like it did for Naaman. He had leprosy. There's a time limit on leprosy. If you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. The same for our issues and our buts. If we don't get to a point where we're prepared to deal with it, your issues will deal with you. And so many of you I know have done Keys to Freedom and I'm so excited for that because this is part of what I'm speaking on today is that that journey of dealing with some of the things you need to deal with. And so Naaman comes to a place in his journey where he decides, okay, I need to deal with this. And he hears of a man of God who could maybe help him. And we read in 2 Kings 5, verse 9 to 12, that Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farfa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Here we have a perfect example of a person who was expecting God to do something in an instant. There was that breakthrough desire, that, that prayer that I've done all these things. I've done, I've done the journey. I've traveled. I've listened. I've sat. I've come to church. I've ticked all the boxes. Where's my miracle? Where's my instant? Where's the hand that waves over the whatever it is I need to deal with and takes it away in an instant? And so he was angry and he was almost about to walk away. I think there's so many times in our life where we are so disappointed, but it's not working out the way we thought it was going to. And so because we expect to be passive recipients of God's power, meaning we sit and we think this is God is going to cleanse my mind. God is going to do this. God is going to God is going to do it all. And we don't realize that so often instead of being this passive recipient of God's power, God in fact is reaching out his hand and inviting us into a powerful process. That's what he did with Naaman. Instead of the hand wave over the spot, it was, in fact, instead, can you go and do this process? Can you go and submit yourself to something called process? You know, the fact is, sometimes we have a a larger part to play in our own breakthrough than we want to accept. To be honest with you, I don't blame Naaman. I have seen the River Jordan with my own eyes. It is not nice. This is dark brown water. It has got things floating on it that I didn't want to get close enough to see what it was. There's flies everywhere. It smells. It's like, no, there's no, that does not make sense. I get, I get his response. He's like, I've seen that river. How can that river make me clean? It doesn't make sense. And so often when God invites us into a process, we have the same dialogue with him. That doesn't make sense, Lord. 
I just want the instant. I've done, I just, I no, it doesn't even, forgiveness is a dirty river. How can forgiveness that feels so wrong, that feels like you're letting people off, that feels like it's unjust, that feels like it shouldn't be the thing that actually sets you free, it doesn't make sense. And yet God invites us in to a river called forgiveness because he knows that's what's going to set us free. It's going to cleanse us. And yet we say, well, I want to go to the prayer line and somebody do this and all the hurt and pain and thing disappear. And God says, no, you need to enter into a river called forgiveness. And I know it looks dirty and I know it doesn't make any sense, but something's going to happen when you submit yourself to the wisdom of God's process. Surrender. How can surrender? That feels like it's your protection. I'm going to stay on my feet. I'm going to stay. You know, how can surrender? That feels like weakness. When you bring it into the dirty river, it turns to strength. That vulnerability, God turns it in that river. Suddenly, the thing that no surrender, that surrender becomes a beautiful way to receive the strength of God. Doesn't make sense. How can worship, when you least feel like it, when you feel like you have nothing to worship about, and God says, get into a river called worship. Take your focus off here and focus there. Something happens in the process of submitting to a dirty river that doesn't make sense when God invites you into it. Thankfully, Naaman came to his senses. Somebody had a word with him. You know what? Sometimes it's really good to have people around you who are prepared to say, hey, it's not that hard. Just do it. And he had someone in his world who said, listen, if, you, if he told you to do some big complicated thing, you probably would have considered it. This is actually really simple. Just do it. Oh, I think that might be a famous phrase. So Naaman in verse 14 we see that he decides to be obedient. He decides to submit himself. And it says, So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. You know that there's always purpose in God's process. See, Naaman wanted healing on the outside, but I believe that we'll see that Naaman got healing on the inside too. And I'm going to just share with you in the time I've got left, the three Ps. There's going to be a lot of Ps, so get ready. The three Ps of the power of process, and the purpose of process. Told you, lots of Ps. So if you're taking notes, Here's your first P. The first P that describes the purpose of process. Number one, for Naaman, his pride was put aside. And that even rhymes, made it easy for you. His pride was put aside. You see, 
We found out earlier that Naaman was a commander. He was a general. He was a man of success and status. People knew him. He came with chariots and horses and an entourage and servants. Everybody knew that Naaman was in town and everybody knew who he was. No wonder he wanted a private audience. No wonder he wanted an instant. No wonder he wanted it quickly done with so he could go again. He didn't want people to know that he had a butt. He didn't want people to know that there was an issue that needed to be dealt with. And here we have God say, no, the man of God say, no, go down to the river. The river where children are playing. God help them. It's a dirty river. The river where women are washing the clothes. The river where people are gathered together. Go down there, Naaman, and take off your armor. Because there's no way you can get into a river and dip seven times and think you're going to come back up again when you're wearing full armor. He would have had to take away some of the things that represented his status. He would have to take off the things that he was hiding behind, the things that he was fortified behind, the things that he felt were protecting him. Maybe all that was left was a cotton tunic underneath his armor. Maybe you could see Marks on his arms and legs of the leprosy. He had to humble himself. You see, we often think that pride is being full of, you know, being boastful and being full of yourself. And there is an element to that. But pride really in its essence is self-reliance. It's I don't want to show weakness. I don't want to show need. I don't want to show failure. I don't want to show that there might be an area in my life that I need help with. I will fix myself, do it myself. And if I do need help, I'll find the most quiet, most undercover way of getting what little help I am convinced, I am prepared to say I might need. And so Naaman had to submit to the process of being willing to say he even needed help willing to be public in his process of healing and changing. If you don't take your armor off, when you're entering into a process of transformation, if you go in fully armored up, fully hidden behind whatever it is that you, the facade you've built, the water's not going to touch you. The very thing that's going to saturate your life and bring the change and the healing that it needs to bring won't even get anywhere close to your skin because you're so covered up. It's step one of any transformational process, of any change that anybody ever wants to see in their lives. Step one, take off the armor. Allow it to actually touch you. The second P is that persistent obedience was grown. You see, he was told to dip seven times, not just once, not just twice, three, four, seven times. And seven is one of those magic, significant, symbolic numbers in the Bible. It means something more than just the number seven. It means completion. It means wholeness. It means perfection. Basically, what Elisha was telling Naaman is, you dip until it's done. You dip until it's done. You keep going. You keep doing the thing that you've been told to do. You keep at it. Those of you who've done Keys to Freedom, the last week of Keys to Freedom is the, the stay-ins, stay in the words, the stay in fellowship. You have to keep doing the things. Persistent 
obedience. When I um, had a ski accident a few years ago, I ruptured my ACL. And in the time between that and, and, and the operation I would need, I needed to have some rehabilitation. I went to the physio, and the physio gave me some exercises to do because I'm, I was also going to be climbing Machu Picchu, most of it on horseback, which you do really need a knee stable for. So uh, he was going to help me build up the strength I needed to be able to do what I thought was just one-off thing. And so I'm going along, and um, then I've gone back since then and had some issues with it. And he said, he said to me, have you kept doing the exercises? I'm like, no, no, I've already done the challenge now. I did Machu Picchu. I'm back from this. He said, no, no, I think you misunderstand me. He said, the exercises I gave you weren't just to go and do the challenge. Those exercises are for life. Those exercises are what's going to keep your knee strong. They're going to keep building up the muscles around the damage and around the weakness to protect you should anything ever happen again. And I was like, oh, you mean this is it? I have to keep... And I'm here to tell you, the things you learned in Keys to Freedom, it's keep doing it. Keep forgiving. You never stop having opportunities to forgive you can go, I'll, if you can go through a day without feeling like someone's rubbed you up the wrong way, then you're a much kinder person than me, much more gracious. I probably have to forgive people on a daily basis. I just have to get in the car and drive in Bradford, where I'm from, and I have to forgive people on a daily basis. <laughs> Keep going. You know, my husband um, climbed Kilimanjaro to raise funds for mercy. I, I do other challenges. He did that one. I do not like to climb mountains. And he said to me um, at one point, he was looking up and, and Kilimanjaro, it's 19,000 feet. It felt so far away. And they were walking and it's dark and it's miserable and they're, they're, walk, they're walking towards it. And every time you can see the outline of it, he looks up and it just seems further away. He's stepping towards it and it feels like someone's picked up the mountain and moved it further away. Do you ever feel like that in life? When you've got this goal in mind, when you're working towards something and you, your breakthrough's just out of reach and you, that's what you're aiming for, the destination, whatever it is you've got in mind, and you feel like you're doing all the right things and making all the right movements and going in the right direction, and then you look up and it just feels like it's further away. I've got to tell you this. It is scientifically impossible for you to keep stepping forward and not to get there, whatever there is. You just got to keep moving. You know, the pace that they were going at, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, this is not going to be preacher's exaggeration now. Literally, it's this 19,000 feet. That's the pace because of the altitude. They had to pace themselves. And sometimes we get impatient. We think it should be happening quicker. We think we should be there by now. We're hard on ourselves. We don't celebrate. God celebrated imperfection. When he did creation, he separated light and dark. He said, it's good. We've got a long way to go yet. We're not there yet. But where we've come is good. We are not so good at celebrating our little steps forward. If you're in here today and you're in the middle of some big thing and you're in a process and you feel like you're not you're not moving fast enough let me just encourage you today be kind to yourself if you if you've taken even just an inch forward you're one inch closer than you were yesterday celebrate that 
The final P. It's my favorite one. His personal relationship was started. You see, something more than physical healing happened in that river. I think something about Naaman's heart changed. It changed his relationship with God. And I know this because in verse 11, he says, I thought that he, Elisha, would surely call on the, on the name of the Lord, his God. This was Elisha's God. This was not Naaman's God. Naaman had heard about God. He had been told about God. This was what do they, who do they say that I am? This is just, this is just whispers of a miracle that could happen to him. It wasn't his God. This was Elisha's God. He, Naaman had no relationship with God at all. No understanding of who God was. He just knew that there might be a possibility that he could have a breakthrough. And I don't know when it happened, but we know that something changed in Naaman. A, he chose to submit himself, so there was just enough faith, just enough trust for Naaman to go, okay, I don't know this God, but I'm going to trust him enough to do what he's asked me to do. And then we find in verse 15, now I know, these are Naaman's words, this has gone from the Lord his God to now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. And verse 17 says, I will never again worship any other God but the Lord. Naaman moved from the Lord his God to the Lord my God. Naaman moved from a man throwing his hands up in frustration at having to enter into a process to a man with his hands up in worship at having seen and encountered the Lord for himself. It's one of the most special and important things, I believe, about entering into a process with our Lord. It's that relationship. It's that intimacy. You see, the Lord has no intention of abandoning us to the process. He's with us every step of the way. He's not standing on the other side of the river going, you know, just keep going, keep going, keep going, watching us flounder, watching us struggle to get back up again. No, no, he's in the river with us. It says in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the walk through, not break through the valley of the shadow of death, by the way. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I keep putting one foot in front of the other when everything is dark, when it's hard, when all I want to do is sit down right now and give up. No, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And I'm going to end with this story that really for me highlights the fact that when we do go through stuff, when we go through process, when we experience the wonder and the challenge and the difficulty of the process in our lives, it's never just about us. It's never just about what we learn. It's never just about our growth and our healing and our transformation. It's, there's always more. God's always able to do more than one thing at once, I have found. And the best way I know how to illustrate that is by telling you a story of a time when I was doing something called Tough Mudder. I know you guys have that over here. Anyone done it? Tough Mudder? Awesome. Well done, one person. For those of you who don't know what Tough Mudder is, it, well, in England at least, it is a 19-kilometer um, obstacle course. It's 28 obstacles specially devised by the <laughs> British Special Forces to kill you. <laughs> Literally. They make you sign lots of things to say that you won't sue them if you die. 
And uh, I, again, raising money for mercy. These are the things you do when you rely on the generosity of givers uh, and you lead a charity. So I was doing um, Tough Mudder. And as we were all standing together, they kind of let you go in like a thousand people at once. And the, the music's blaring and the guy's shouting through the, the microphone and he's getting it all going. And he says these things. He says, I want you to look to your right and to your left. And so we're all looking to our right and to our left. He says, the people standing next to you are not your competitors. They are your teammates. Every obstacle that you are about to face has been especially designed for you not to be able to get over by yourself. You need the people around you. You need to help through. You go through, then you help through. He said, that's the rule. Repeat after me. He goes, you go through, then you help through. You go through, then you help through. Now we had to shout it out to him a few times, and then we went. And we kind of got on with the, with the, the challenge and with, with the obstacle course. And about halfway through, I am exhausted. I am cold. I am wet. I am hungry. And those are three things I do not like being because they make me angry, and I'm frustrated, and I'm like, why did I even do this in the first place? And, and then nobody told me that I should wear things on my arms, because I just had a vest top on, and so my arms are all cut up, because I'm literally crawling on my belly through a tunnel that is barely wide enough for me. I don't know how they got these big guys through, but I'm literally claustrophobic, and it's on an incline. There's water coming down it on gravel, and I'm on my belly crawling through, and tears streaming down my face. I'm like, I'm just going to stop right here. Like, this seems like a nice place to curl up and die. And, 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 <laughs> and so I'm crawling, and, and literally just as I am seriously considering curling up and dying, this hand is thrust into the little light at the end of the tunnel, and this voice says, hey, pull my hand. I'm like, grab my hand. And, he, and, and he, I grab his hand, and he pulls me out, and he puts me down, and he gives me a thumbs up, smiles, and runs away. And I'm like, what the heck just happened? I'm literally about to do this, to run onto the next thing. And I remember, no, 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 you go through and then you help through. And so I, I turn around and I thrust my hand into the tunnel and this girl is grabbing onto my hand and I'm pulling, like I'm not as strong as him, so I can't just, I'm like yanking her out, trying to get her out. But then I put her down and I give my thumbs up and I smile at her and I run away. Do you know what? I actually think that life needs to be like that. That's how we're supposed to go through this journey. That's how we're supposed to walk through, is that we go through and then we help through. And I love the heart of this church because I know that you guys believe that. I know you live it. I know this is a part of how you operate together. I wonder whether we can all stand together because I want to pray for you as we close. I want to pray specifically encouragement for those of you who right now feel like the journey is really tough. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of death or you are, like I felt, somewhere in a dark tunnel on an incline with gravel cutting you up and there's light somewhere ahead but you think this is a really good place just to curl up right now. I just want to pray for you if you feel like that because I feel like today God is just whispering encouragement to keep dipping. Keep dipping. Just keep going. It is scientifically impossible for you not to get where you're going if you keep moving forward.
You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world. Is sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.